I'm Yamilka Rodriguez, and this is the Brand Therapist Podcast, where we come together and dive deep into the psychology of branding. We live in a new era that asks us to step up and show our individuality, learn what makes us unique and different in this world. Let's open the door to possibilities so you can win in business, life, and relationships, because everything starts with you. Hello, Dr. Ariana. I'm so excited to have you on my couch today on the Brand Therapist podcast. Before we get started, I'm going to read this bio because it's just incredible. So I cannot miss any pieces of this. So I'm going to go ahead and read it and then we'll start the discussion. So Dr. Arna Schultz-Douglas, MD, FACOG, is board certified in obstetrics and gynecology in maternal fetal medicine and has been practicing medicine for three decades. She's the author of the best-selling book, The Menopause Myth, what your mother, doctor, and friends haven't shared about life after 35. She completed her undergraduate degree in biology and African-American studies at Washington University in St. Louis, Missouri. Dr. Oriana then went on to earn her doctor of medicine Meharry Medical College in Nashville, Tennessee. She completed her residency maternal fetal medicine fellowship at Martin Luther King Medical Center at NUCLA School of Medicine, respectively. She later graduated from the Integrative Medicine Fellowship at the University of Arizona. She has served as clinical faculty at UCLA, University of Maryland, and Johns Hopkins School of Medicine. She's a fellow of the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology and a diplomat at the American Board of OBGYN and Maternal Fetal Medicine. Dr. Ariana is a founder and medical director at Tula Wellness and Aesthetics, and a unique medical practice in Tucson, Arizona, focusing on women's integrative health and wellness. She incorporates evidence-based alternative medicine therapies to promote healing. As a visionary and innovator in the women's health community, Dr. Ariana has received multiple awards, including Outstanding Women's Health Provider by Insight Tucson Business, Women of Influence, Business Women of the Year Award, and the Women's Foundation of Southern Arizona's Women of Impact Award. Oh my God, this is just a mouthful of the amazing things you have done, Dr. Ariana. So I'm so excited to have you. Thank you. Yeah, that was a lot. Um, (laughs) Took 30 years to do all that, but yeah, and you just did it in all about one minute. So thank you. (laughs) Yes, I am sure it was treacherous. You had a whole story and journey. And so we want to hear a little bit about you and your story and kind of how you got to where you got. So the first question I have is the obvious therapy question that we have to always understand is tell me a story about your childhood that kind of got you to where you are today. Okay, well, um, you may already know a little bit of this story, but actually people ask me all the time, when did you know you wanted to be a doctor? And I knew pretty much when I was around 14 or 15 years old, and I started having menstrual cramps at about 13, but then a few years in, they started getting 
treacherous and terrible to the point where I was a cheerleader. I ran track. I was really into a lot of things at school and I was incapacitated for at least a day, if not about it, two days out of every month where I would just be vomiting and just feel awful and just these horrible cramps. And so my mom took me around to different people I joke, I say one of them, I'm sure was a mental health person. I know she took me to a pediatrician. And then she finally took me to a gynecologist that gave me the equivalent of some, I guess what we would call a leave today. And it just changed my life. And so I knew when I took those pills and my next cycle, I, I was able, I mean, I still like stayed home and expected the worst, but I was like, oh my God, I can, this was a game changer for me. So I knew then that I was like, I could do that for people like, that would just change your life. So, and I always loved science. So that was easy. So it made sense, you know, that I wanted to be a doctor. And then I pretty much knew at that moment, I wanted to be a gynecologist, but I wasn't entirely sure because I didn't know all of medicine, but I went through medical school. And when we finally got to the rotations, first I did surgery, then I did peds, I think. And then it was almost my last rotation, but first day of my OBGYN rotation, I was just like, yep, I'm home. That's what I want to do. Oh, wow. What an amazing story. It's just incredible. I mean, I remember my first period, it was not fun. And I also suffered of cramps during my entire livelihood until I started taking um, counterceptives, but it was awful. I mean, like you said, like I was incapacitated for at least one day where I just had to lay and be in pain for a whole day. Yeah. was pretty awful. And I think a lot of us women go through that and we just think it's normal. That's why I was literally like suicidal almost. I was just like, if this is normal and I have to do this every month, then I just don't want to live. Like there's just no way I want to live like that. So it was, it was bad. Yeah. So I think a lot of um, young women today need to have a conversation about this, right? Because a lot of us go through something like this and we just hack it up to, well, this is the way it is and you got to figure it out. And I think there's a lot of things that you can do now and with medicine and all those things. But at the time, I, I don't know if, what how it is like today, but a lot of uh, do women doctors today send their kids or give them Advil or Aleve or something like that to kind of just help with that. Yeah, they should be. I mean, I tell my daughter all the time because she'll go and grab the Tylenol and nothing against Tylenol. But I was like, no, you need to take the Motrin or you need to take the Aleve because it's anti-inflammatory. And so Tylenol is not an anti-inflammatory. Yeah, it just doesn't help the same way. Um, It's even good for heavy menstrual bleeding to do these Mm -hmm. non-steroidals, you know, regularly around your cycle. Now, again, these are pills. It's not my first choice for you to take a pill. I mean, I think a lot of this can be resolved through diet and lifestyle. It's huge. And, but at that time, you know, I didn't know any better. I was eating pioneer chicken and Taco Bell and all the things that teenagers eat and drink. So it just never occurred to me that the food I was eating and trying to convince my 18 year old over the years, still not, she's still like, yeah, she's not buying it. So I'm like, okay. (laughs) All right. So now let me ask you this. Tell me about your personal brand. 
who is Dr. Ariana? What is your brand about? Well, with your help, I've been able to kind of define that a little bit better. That was definitely a question. And because I have a brick and mortar business that's to the wellness, and then I have Dr. Ariana, I have two websites, I have two Instagram pages. So I would say I'm still curating this brand and determining exactly what it is. But what I understand so far, I am just about helping women live their best lives. Um, My hashtag or tagline is um, stay juicy. And I believe that we should have juicy lives, juicy experiences and juicy vaginas. So I guess if I had to wrap my brand into that, it would be about juicy lives, juicy experiences and juicy vaginas and really embracing our aging and our wisdom. And even though there are some challenges that come with it, whether they're hormonal imbalances or pain with intercourse, it's like those are very treatable issues. And we want to really just keep it fresh, keep it juicy. And that's kind of what my brand's about. I love that. So as women, we shouldn't be suffering with any of these things. We need to go to Dr. Ariana to help us live a juicy life, correct? Well, yeah, it's a joke. I had a patient the other day in the office and she said, you're in here doing God's work. And I said, you know what? Yes, I am. And it's just been very gratifying for me. They've either not had the opportunity to really explore their sexuality and embrace it over the years. And then they're at a point where either they're losing some things that they had, or they're realizing they just never really got what they signed up for. So just when they come in and and the testimonials of how it's changed relationships and how they're just feeling so much better, it's just like, I get to do that every day and help women feel better in that way. And it's probably in just the world that we live in where you're just kind of bombarded with bad news and politics and all the things. I spend my day pretty much making people happy, helping them feel better. So that way I don't, I just don't get so caught up in all the nonsense that's going on out there. I love that. So my next question is, when did you know you had become famous? I know everybody's like, what do you mean I became famous? It's your personal fame story, right? We believe that fame is honorable and we all get to be famous, not just the people like that are celebrities or that are actors, actresses or musicians, but everybody is famous for what they do. What is your fame story about? I'm not sure when the moment was, but I do remember it was probably about maybe four or five years ago. And I was at a, at a play. I was with me and my, my husband and I, and these women walked up to me and they were just like, are you Dr. Ariana? And I was like, yeah. And then they were like, oh, we love you. We're following, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that just really caught me off guard because first I was kind of like, first of all, I'm just out for the weekend. And it also dawned on me, like, that's how celebrities felt. Like they're just, people are just walk up to you and start talking to you. So it was a little off-putting for me because I was just like, "Mm, I don't know who you are. And when she first asked me who I was, I was just like, should I say yes? Because I don't know if she's going to say something nice. She's going to say something mean. 
but she was very positive and it was, it was good. But it, that's the moment that I was just like, oh, okay, I have to be, I mean, you know, we all have to be mindful when we go out in public. And I mean, I don't, it's not like I do things that I would generally not be mindful about, but it just dawned on me that, wow, because I was doing a lot of um, ads in one of the local magazines. And so I think over time, people just see your face a lot. So then, and the Tucson isn't, you know, we have like barely a million people in the city. So it's, it's not a huge sound. We call it a small, big city or little big town or something like that. And even now things come up and I'm kind of like, I now I'm just kind of like, I thought that that would make me happy or that would be fun. And I was like, I don't like that. I don't want people to recognize me and do that. And, and then it's, it's a little embarrassing too. I mean, even though they're saying nice things, I'm not really loving all of that. It's so funny, you know, I think a lot of us really enjoy what we do. That's why we do it, right? And when somebody recognizes us for it, we kind of think that it's a little strange, right? Because we're not used to that. We're just doing what we love to do. So being recognized, whether you're they recognize you because they see you all the time in the magazine or online and all these things, sometimes it's a bit jarring. Right. And, and I know what you mean, because I used to do fashion here in the city and people know me because they relate to me because of that fashion show that I used to do. But it's still interesting when people are like, oh, you're you do so and so and they recognize you and they remember you. It's a little bit jarring. But in the time it was like, oh, wow. So I did have an impact. Right. I did yeah. have an impact on these people. And I'm so excited that I was able to do that. And who knows, I might do it in the future, but it's just nice to hear that all the work, right, that goes into this, all the work that we do is recognized and that you're doing something good for for the community. Well, the most recent awards I've gotten over the last few years, you know, business owner of the year and just the woman of impact in the community. And so I was at an event recently and they were just like, oh, just love what you're doing for the women in the community. And it's just like, okay, like, that's what I want to do. Like you said, that's what I do all day long. But the fact that like a lot of people recognize that and that's like, that really is my brand now. And people know that is interesting. Yeah. That's what it's supposed to be, but. Exactly. Exactly. So let me ask you a deeper question. What is your greatest fear? I would say. Probably just feeling inadequate. Yeah, I don't like to feel like I'm not good at something. And I've been giving that thought just as my kids are getting older and leaving the nest. And then I just started doing some personal inventory. Like, what is a good mother, right? And did I do enough? And just asking a lot of those questions. So my fear is that, you know, somehow I just, in the middle of, all the things I'm doing that I, like I dropped a ball that I, I didn't realize that I dropped. And then I just, that I didn't do my best in the areas that I should have done better, um, which would be family. And, but it just really led to a whole bunch of other questions. And I'm like, I don't think my husband sits down and thinks about these things. I think as mothers and women, we're just maybe more critical about how well we're doing and balancing it all and understanding also now, like how to 
be a good parent for adult kids because that's like a whole different animal. So I realized that I don't have any idea how to parent adult children. And I'm going to need some help with that because I felt like I could parent younger kids. It just made sense. But now I'm just like, I don't really know what I'm supposed to be doing here with you. So, yeah. I love that you asked yourself that question because it's kind of a reflective question and it makes us think about how we want to go into these next few years, right? With our family and our children. And I guess hearing you, I never asked myself that question, right? And I think it's a really interesting one about usually parenting is just those years to get to college, right? Right. That's how you think about parenting. But what are those years after that? I don't know if there's even a book about that. There is a book. It's called (laughs) Adulting Your Adult, Parenting Your Adult Children. And a friend sent it to me um, a few months ago. And I still haven't read it, but I pulled it out. (laughs) And I have decided, I know I need to read it or get resources. But between the book and maybe some counseling, I was just like, I just need to understand what's also normal right now. because. You know, I understand the phases and the kids, they have to kind of step away, get their own identity. I'm like, is that what's happening here? Because it's like you poured so much into this person and all of a sudden they're kind of like, like you go from being completely responsible for for someone to having no real rights after they turn 18. You like, you can't talk to their doctors, but it's like, they're the same person. They're really still the same kid to you, but all of a sudden you don't have any say so. And it's just a very, you know, it's kind of like menopause for me. It was like, okay, I'm not prepared for this. And nobody's helped me understand what, what I'm doing right here. So maybe that'll be my next book. because I'm definitely don't know what I'm doing. So I love that. So let me ask you this. Tell me a time where you thought that you were feeling like you were holding back. I see you as a very retrospective type of person who really thinks through these things. So when was there a time that you felt you weren't giving your full self? I feel like I can only tell you the time when I know I've given my full self. And then every other time I would say I haven't given my full self. I mean, maybe I'm just a perfectionist that way. I just like, I always feel like I could do better. Like you could have done better. Like I I could have given more as a, a mother. I could have I just feel like I can always do more. And so, yeah, I was reflecting back on why, why do you always feel like you haven't done enough? And then I went through my own like resume bio in my mind. And I'm like, the average person would think that you did enough, but then there's a part of you that's like, "Mm, but did I do enough? That's again, I feel like that's my own sickness that I have to manage. I wasn't going to read your entire resume before we started the podcast, but I had to, I was reading through it and I was like, wow, look at all these things she's done. Double major. Yeah. Like all these things, all these universities taught here and did this. Now she has a center of wellness. And I was like, this is an incredible resume. Amazing. Like all the things you've accomplished in your life as a woman and as a woman of color, right? Cause I think people forget sometimes that although I don't know how you were brought up, but when I was brought up, I didn't really think of myself as a woman of color, but 
nowadays I can see all my struggles because I was also a bit of a achiever and I didn't ever say, okay, this is because I'm a woman of color, but I can see now that it was a little bit because of that and just looking back at these things. Oh yeah. No, I think in retrospect, I can definitely see where the color thing comes in. And it's it's interesting because sometimes you just don't know, is it color? Is it because I'm a woman? Is it because I'm new to this hospital? Like, I mean, I've just had <laughs> the situation that happened to me once was I was, you know, high risk. I was the, high, the director of the high risk center. I had a complicated patient and I remember doing surgery with a vascular surgeon. And it was like in the middle of the night and this woman was having all these issues, but he had to come in and do something. And then I did the C-section. And then maybe a year later, I was in the doctor's lounge with the same doctor and he was there with one of his medical students or residents or somebody. And I had scrubs on. I was trying to figure something out in the doctor's lounge. And he looked at me and he's like, yeah, the coffee machine needs some more coffee. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, first of all, I don't work here like that. And secondly, we did surgery together. Like I know uh, clearly he didn't remember me, but it was like this invisibility that people talk about you know, and I felt invisible when I was working at that particular hospital. I remember just always getting on the elevator and it was, it was literally like I was invisible and I was just like, wow. And I don't make it a part of my day or go home and think about it at all. I mean, that story kind of stuck with me, but there's been countless times. And then now, I don't know if I told you about this story, but I was at a meeting and this woman walked up to me and this was at a WPO, Women's President Organization, international meeting. So all the women there, like none of them have businesses less than a million dollars. So this woman walks up to me after a talk and she goes, we're calling it forever. And I was like, I don't know what you mean by that. Like I was, this was like, like last month. So this isn't. You know, and so she says, oh, well, I can tell by your expression that me, like, did I offend you? And it was just like, if I have to explain why that's offensive, then I, I just, I still don't have the energy. But anyway, I'm not even sure why I went off on this tangent, because um, this is not what you asked me about. You asked me about something else, but women of color, it is a thing. And well, just to close the loop on this woman, though, she was like, in the end, I explained it to her. And her thing was, well, I see you as strong and beautiful. And those women that were around the main character were strong and beautiful. So I just had to take it for whatever it was worth. But it's just those situations where you're just like, hmm, what do you yeah. mean by that? What do you mean exactly by that? What do you mean by that? <laughs> so that gets me to my next question around mentorship. Mentorship means many things to many people and just somebody who has helped you along the way. Is there anybody in particular that you feel has mentored you? Because all of us don't get to where we are without somebody that really helps us through these things. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't have a really strong mentor. I haven't had a strong mentor in my life. I've looked at other people and what they have done. And that has inspired me. And I've always, when I look at people, I like, well, if she can do it, then I should be able to do it. But I haven't had that person that's like sat me down and been like, okay, 
really been that go-to person. And I still don't really have that person now. I mean, I have business affiliates and people I know who, you know, help me, but like a mentor, I don't have one, which I'm kind of not happy about, but you know, it is what it is. You know, it's interesting you say that because I was interviewing somebody and they talked about similar thing. Like they said, well, mentor to me doesn't necessarily mean somebody who I went and asked them to be my mentor, but it's more like reading autobiographies of somebody. And then I felt inspired. Or like you said, like, I think that's really interesting about if they can do it, then why couldn't I do it? Or it's maybe some of your drive, right? It's like, you have a drive for something and not until you accomplish it, do you feel satisfied? And maybe you didn't need somebody else to help you with that particular thing, but maybe like what you said, maybe somebody else inspired you or you heard something or you felt like you could do it because somebody else did it. I love that. Yeah. Well, as strange as it it sounds, I do remember when Obama became president I just thought to myself, well, if a black man can be president, then I should be able to do anything because there couldn't be anything harder than a black man becoming president. I just, to me, I just thought that was an impossibility. So I just, from that moment, felt like nothing was impossible for me. And then I didn't have any color or woman or whatever. There was just no excuse. And I do feel like that type of, exposure, that imagery that we have. Like I'm, I'm happy that my kids could see that that was achievable. Not that they have any aspirations towards that, but just to know that that's possible. So they spent the bigger part of their lives seeing that. And then like as things have shifted, it's very interesting because they didn't start out with that type of whatever you want to call it. And now I feel like that's just made a difference in their life. Oh, I love that. So talking about things that are impossible, you said that anything is possible. Tell me a challenge you had that you achieved, but at the moment you were like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this, or this seems like really difficult. I mean, I could tell probably your entire life or resume, but tell me a moment that you remember that you thought, wow, this is a huge challenge. Well, I would say running this business, because when I went into business, I didn't go into it like a business person would go into it. I just went into it because I was just tired of being in corporate medicine, working in the hospital, dealing with some of the politics I had to deal with and not to mention the call. So I just wanted a different life. But once I started, I realized that I had no idea what I had signed up for and, you know, have questioned if I could do it. And so I would say this, keeping this business afloat and graduating to the next level. I tell people all all the time, at least my staff, I'm like, well, if I haven't gone out of business by now, I'm not going out of business because I have really weathered some pretty big storms. And I was just like, even now it's like, I have no idea how that's going to work out, but some kind of way it's still working out. So here we go. Just keep doing it. So what has been your biggest reward? Um, I just, the women that come back and the lives that I know I've, I've changed. And even 
um, when I was asking that question for myself, like, have you done enough? But I was just like, you know, I have literally like countless little miracle babies out there that are probably in their 20s now. And sometimes their parents are reaching out on Facebook saying thank you like 20 years later. And then I have a friend whose baby was definitely not very sketchy that he would make it. And now he's we're friends and he's out there doing his thing. And so just knowing that I played a part in saving a life, that was the first part of my um, existence. And now knowing that I'm really impacting a woman's life when they come back and they come in and they're just looking all like I call them a hot mess. And then I had a lady last week, she walked in and I was like, she had on her shorts, her hair was all cute. She was just all cute. And I was like, do you realize you are a different person than what you were three months ago? And for her, it was so gradual. She didn't even realize it. But I was like, girl, like you aren't the same person. And for her, she didn't recognize it as much. But a lot of women, they do and they come back and they thank me. And that makes my day. That's it. I love that. It's beautiful. So lessons learned. Tell me one or two lessons learned in your entire life. Oh, lessons learned is that there really is no tomorrow. And you really, as much as I can live in the present moment, there's just no living in the past or in the future. Like you have to stay in the moment. And when I'm not in the moment, I lose life. It's like you lose it all because you just don't get to enjoy it. So just really have to stop and remind myself to be, are you present right now? Like, yes, you're worried about this bill and yes, your kid's driving you nuts and did this last week and all of those things that's been in my head. But at the end of the day, it's like, but how do you feel in this moment right here? So just that's a big lesson. Yeah. And I think it's great to have a team of people. Um, If you can surround yourself with good people, it's not so much a lesson, but that that collaboration can really bring on things much bigger than what one person can do. So that's so beautiful. You know, right now we're in a project that's going to be out of the country, but the ideas don't come until the entire team gets together to brainstorm. And it's so fascinating to me because you can have ideas, but it's so important to have at least one other person to kind of throw things out and figure things out and see what they think. And, you know, instead of you doing it in a silo all by yourself. Like I had a lesson this weekend. It's like, you never know. Uh, I was talking to a woman and I came in on a Saturday just to do one little thing on her. And then she's a former business owner. And now she has a whole nother business. And she made one comment, which I want to say probably changed my life because she said, there is no other reason to have a business other than to sell it. And it didn't register with me when she said it. And of course, I've thought about selling my business, but it was like a huge aha moment because I was like, that's it. Because I feel like I'm spinning my wheels. Like, I'm doing this, I'm doing it. Why are you doing all this? And at the end of the day, it was like, you know, I could still be a part of it, but what is the end goal? That's the problem. I just didn't feel like I had a goal. And then it was like, that's my goal. That's what I'm working towards. So everything else I'm doing, if it's not going towards the goal of me selling my business for the amount that I want to sell it for, I don't need to do it. 
because that is my new goal. So I love that. That was huge. And now I'm like, not no shade to the Dr. Ariana brand, but I'm like, forget about Dr. Ariana. Dr. Ariana has the tool of wellness, like this is going to be sold. And what do I need to do to create the environment? So now I'm like, okay, I'm going to go backwards. I'm going to find the evaluator people or whatever they're called to come and help me go backwards and see. I know I don't think it's sellable right now. Maybe it is. I don't know. But I want to know what do I need to do so that I can. And now I have a goal, which really helps me because I'm just, just because you can doesn't mean you should, right? It's like, yeah, I could speak all over the world. I could do all of these things. But in the end, I needed something to ground. Like, why are you doing these things, right? I mean, I think there's different things here. I was talking to a friend of mine actually today, and I was talking about where do you put your energy, right? And I think sometimes I said, don't think about it as a time thing right? Because we always get caught up in like, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. Don't think about it that way. Think about it. Where do you want to put your energy? Because we can bend time. And she was like, oh, I didn't think about it that way. Actually, I didn't think about it that way until I was telling her. So that's a really good place to be is to say, I want to put my energy here and not here. I want to put my energy here and not here. And that gives us more time. That gives you more time. It gives you more space. And I think it's really important to have that as a goal. And, you know, when I started this business, I remember talking to this guy and his first question to me was, what's your exit strategy? And I thought very ignorant wise that he was doubting my capability and asking me what's going to happen when you fail. That's how I took it. And then over the years, I started understanding more that, oh, people actually go into businesses with an exit strategy. They're not going into the business necessarily just because they love it. I went into it just because I love it and this is what I want to do. But I wasn't thinking about an exit strategy. I just wasn't thinking of it that way. And now, especially after the other woman made that comment, it just all came full circle to me. And I was like, okay. Now it makes sense because I very much felt like I'm, I am excited. I love all these things that I do, but it's like, to what end are you like, why are you doing this? Just because you like it, which is fine. But it's like at the end of the day, I'm that person. And this is why medical school and residency and having certain jobs were good for me because it was like, if you tell me what I need to do, then I'm very good at focusing and getting it done. But if you don't give me a goal, if I don't have a very specific template of what I need to do, I just don't do well with that at all. Yeah, that makes total sense. It's kind of when you're talking, it it makes me think of how many things can we do in this world? Many, right? We can do whatever we want. And it's so funny because, you know, I've been in kind of different sort of manifesting exercises and they always tell you like, focus on one thing. And you're like, no, but I want everything. And it's right. like, it's just the same thing about what, what I do. It's like this ideal client. Well, who's your ideal client? Well, everybody is. And it's like, no, you don't have everybody in the world as an ideal client. It's like, it has to be a specific individual that you're going towards. 
and sometimes we learn these lessons in one place, but we don't learn them in other places. So it's it's so great when you know what you're focusing on, you know, because I, I think somebody asked me the other day, like, what makes you excited? And I had to think for a second, does my business make me excited? Actually, what came out was this podcast is what excites me. I love talking to people. I love getting to know people at a deeper level. And that's really what is exciting to me. And, you know, my business has shifted over the last year a lot. And it's that ability like you had to hear something, connect the dots and go towards a specific thing. And I I think a lot of times either we don't have our ears out there or aren't listening or are ignoring or don't want to listen. Like I had a friend yesterday, I was talking to her and I said, well, it's very clear to me what you need to do. And she's like, well, that's not what I want to hear. I was like, of course it's not. Well, you know why? Because it's hard. And then what I told her, she just didn't want to hear it. And so a lot of times we ourselves stop ourselves from moving forward and moving on to the next thing. It shouldn't have to be work. If it's too much work, then something's not right because it needs to be, you know what I mean? It just needs to flow enough so that it doesn't feel like work. Exactly. So tell me what's next then out of you all, you told me all this stuff. What's next for Dr. Ariana in the next five, 10 years? Where do you see yourself? Um, in the next five to 10 years, um, staying true to my new found goal is that I want to build my business to a point where I can sell it and maybe stay in it even afterwards, whatever, that's okay. But I have finally come to appreciate that it is a business and it has value to it. And I can do something with that. And then I want to start a a podcast with that's going to happen sooner than later, staying juicy. So I love to just talk to women about staying juicy and what that looks like. And you're right, just hearing other people's lives and their words of wisdom. It's just like, I just gain from that. And then I always, I always love speaking and doing retreats and just kind of girly stuff, like really kind of woo-woo retreats, that's what I call them, but where we really just sit and spend some time just going inward. And I've always wanted to do that more of that. And I, I'm going to do more of that in the years to come. I love that. Beautiful. So tell us, where can we find you, your wellness center? Where can we get beautiful and be this juicy woman? So I am in Tucson, Arizona. And I, um, my website is dradiana.com, Tula Wellness and Aesthetics, but tulawellnessmd.com is my website. And you can find me there and on Instagram and come in here locally. I've had lots of clients come and we can get a lot done in a week time period between beauty and restoration and hormone balance. So it's a nice retreat, so to speak, for women to come and to really just take care of themselves. So I love that. And tell us that beautiful place where they can stay while they're getting all these amazing treatments. Well, there's Miraval here in Tucson and there's Canyon Ranch. I'm a Miraval girl. It's kind of like a little feud here for our locals because we have two of the top Northern American spas. But Miraval is a great place to stay. But also 
there's just a lot of not Airbnbs. We're going to figure out some ways people want to do it a little more less expensive. But Miraval is about 30 minutes from my office. And Kenya Ranch is about 15 minutes from my office. So if you wow. like any of those places, they're always nice. Oh, I love that. Take a whole month off, right? Yeah, you do spend that. Spend the time with you, spend the time at the ranch, spend the time at Mirabelle and do all of it. So it's yes. possible, right? Because anything is possible. It is possible. Yes. I like that. I like that thinking. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Ariana. Your words you. of wisdom, your energy, you're so educated so many thoughts, not just about your education, but those introspective thoughts that you have for yourself, so valuable in whatever, in everything that you do. So I hope that the listeners really take advantage of reaching out. If you have any questions about what's happening to you in menopause or something that you can't figure out or can't solve, and you've gone to doctors and they haven't given you answers, here is Dr. Ariana. And she has a wealth of knowledge, as you can see by her bio, and you can just go to her and she's going to be able to make you juicy. I love that. (laughs) I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Thank Thank you. Thank you for your patience getting me on here. Always, always. And it's been wonderful. So thank you so much. Thank you for listening to The Brand Therapist. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite pod player. If you'd like to connect with me on social, you can find me at Yamoka Rodriguez Branding, Bespoke Branding Agency, or email me at yamoka at yamoka.com. Thanks for listening.